Hello. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host. Really excited. I got up early this morning, drove all the way over from Maine to Vermont. I'm here with James Fox, and we also have uh, Marco Leal. 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 Sorry. Yes. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, discussing all kinds of things today. I'm really excited. James, thank you. I'm going to be working the camera here with uh, all of us. Thanks. Thank you, James, for being with us. Oh, God, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm uh, kind of an exciting time, so... It is with with everything. Your 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 last film did so well, the phenomenon. Um, and I understand this is kind of funny that it was number one streaming in the world for streaming videos at one time, and your wife didn't believe it, so she had to reboot your. She phone. said, "I think it's stuck. If there was a glitch somewhere, and so she took her phone out and did it, and and she's like, oh my gosh, it really is number one.' <laughs> was, yeah, because we got some really good." Promotion, thank God, and then and then we went on Rogan, and that catapulted it back into the stardust, I guess. I, I know it does, and I just want to really quickly say, um, Randall Nickerson's every, the long-awaited film, um, the Aerial Phenomenon, is now available for pre-order, and you can find those links on my website, and it goes live on May twentieth. I had uh, a great chance to watch the screener, and it's a wonderful movie, so check that out. But uh, let's talk about what you are up to. Uh, you you uh, text me from Brazil mm -hmm. right after um, you were thinking you were going to get shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, both of you were there. You were there too. Well, he, he stayed in the car because he was anticipating bulls were going to be flying. You really were. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, know the lay of the land there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a witness that had been in hiding for twenty six years, and not even the uh, officer that was in the passenger seat with him, who's now deceased, uh, the family of, of that officer had been able to get a statement from him. Um, and, and so with the help of, uh, of the mayor of Virginia, we managed to locate him and get an escort out to his home. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was, scary. I mean, honestly, I wasn't even expecting him to be home. And the whole thing is captured as it happens. That was one thing about Moment of Contact, the film we have coming out with, 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 about uh, the Virginia case, the 1996 UFO, alleged UFO crash. We didn't age anything. It was cameras rolling, we're yeah. going, and even got yelled at by my cameraman, David West, because he's like, slow down. Like, I'm like, you need to keep up, man. This is happening now. Like, you need to, yeah. like, you know, and so finding the crash site, going to certain witnesses' homes, uh, it all happens. It all unfolds as it unfolds. Right. And and uh, and, and funny enough, I I had somebody recently who is a trusted friend of mine in the industry watch it, and uh, she called me up. She's like, "Wow, this is the most amazing story I've ever heard." I said, "God, what was what was the one of the more impactful or you know things that stood stood out?" She goes, "You got out of the car and you were still chewing your food." Because we would have never done that at CNN. We would have, like, you know, redone that shot. But he goes, it really made me feel like I was there with you in the passenger seat. Nothing felt staged. It all happened as it did, you know? Isn't that funny? Someone could pick that up. When yeah, no I just thought that's yeah. so funny that she, you know, you, you were walking your foot. Yeah. Of course, everybody talks about the scene where where we were, we were going to get shot, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, I uh, thank you very much for sending me the screener of that one. Yes. And I was, uh, I, I have to say this, a very, I love the movie. 
And and I know it's it's not the dates. We don't know when it's coming out. We don't know anything right now. I kind of know a little bit. A little bit. But I, I, I do want to tell you the one thing that stands out to me in that whole thing. Well, um, first of all, I mean, we will be in a minute. I want to tell the audience about that case so they just understand yeah, the case. Yeah, no problem, yeah. But it was just totally amazing the way you were talking to these witnesses, and they were all authentic, and they were all saying basically the same thing where they could have not really had much contact with each other over the years. Marco and I met in 2011. Yes. And we immediately became friends in Brazil. We met at a place called Peruí. Um, and apparently there's that deadly snake that lived on the island. Yes. Yes. And, and I said to, uh, at the time it was AJ Javard, um, who invited me down yeah. to give a presentation at a conference. Yeah. I said, Hey, I really want to, I want to extend my trip a few days and see Brazil after I'm down there giving a presentation. So long story short, I said, Hey, where's some really beautiful places to see? And he had made a few suggestions. Uh, one of the places was called Barachi, which is a series of islands off the coast of Rio. And, uh, and we were like, wow, oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. He said, hey, it's not too far. And he goes, you know what? I'll go with you. I'll take you guys there. So Rebecca and I jumped in his car and we yeah. all spent time together. And we, yeah. And then, uh, and then we, we became partners. I mean, you know, investigating the Virginia case. He'd been investigating since 2006 already yeah. because as a Brazilian, he remembers the case when he was a kid. And so he was incredibly passionate about it. So, so were you, uh, Marco, were you a, like an, I mean, like a MUFON type of investigator in whatever Brazil has? Yes, like, look like a researcher, you know, because when I saw this, uh, the, on the news, the Virginia case in 1996, I just had a 11 years old at the time. So I got shocked, you know, by the story. And I felt in my heart that I would love to go investigate this case. So I met James in 2011 and I had the opportunity to start a work with him and some projects, you know, for the Virginia case. So we, we did uh, the, all the research for the last 10 years. And I'm always, uh, I was talking to James about it, the, the cases, and he was telling me something, how to do it. And so, well, we went, we went together in 2012 with that cheesy TV show. Oh, yeah. We only, we got made some contacts there. Yeah. And then we went back in 2013, 2014. Yeah. 13. 13. Yeah. Yep. And, and found more witnesses. And then he just kept plowing. He just kept going. Thank God. And then none of it made it into the phenomena, which was then called 701. I just couldn't seem to squeeze it in. It, it just, it, you know, this went happening. And I knew that he was probably going to be pretty upset when he found out that none of the Virginia material ended up in the phenomena. Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Then I then I said, you know what? We need to do a documentary just on this case, yeah. which was kind of our dream to do it together. You know. Yeah. And so I went back um, for how, a, how long were you there? Well, I was there for a month uh, in, two, in twenty oh, last year. The last year was like from when? Yeah, yeah, for a month. Yeah. And then before that, we were like I said, yeah. Before that, it was two thousand and thirteen, thirteen, two thousand twelve. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and we always joke because when we get together, we want to go hunting for witnesses. I mean, we were we're knocking on doors. Yeah, we're going to the town square and just asking random strangers. No joke, man. We we and we always say magic happens when we work together, right? Well, I think that for for me, for the film, 
um, when you were standing out in the square with the sign. Yes. And all those people were coming up to you and telling you about, you know, what they yeah. saw, whatever. It was great. Uh, I'm right now. I'm in. Can I say in? We're yes. in. Yeah, I'm in Vermont. Vermont. You don't have to stay in the city, though. <laughs> We're in Vermont. We're in Vermont. In I'm a barn. James, James Fox in a barn, and it's a beautiful barn. I eight, wish I had a barn like this. Eight, 1805. 1805. This is our new office space. This is our new studio. This and is where we're going to turn out a documentary every 18 months. That's my goal. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Marco, last name is Leo. 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 Yes. Leo. And I forgot to announce our uh, – we, we had – our wonderful blogger, Charles Lear, do the blog this week on Virginia, and it's called, the name of it is UFOs and Creatures Reported in Virginia, Brazil. Um, and uh, I hope you get a chance to read through that. It was posted, and uh, he did a, a really good job with that uh, blog. And back here, let's see, here we go. Um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to run, like, these oh, cameras and everything. And I wish I had closed out a few windows. Here we go. We're back to you over here. So uh, behind you yes. is like a storyboard. Yes. Huh. Yeah, and the edit room, I don't know if you could, your camera's picking it up. But there's a glass windows, and then the actual edit room is inside. Okay, there. so let's point to the edit, edit room. Right yeah, over. that's, that's yeah. where the magic happens. Yeah. But yeah. from that edit room, we can look back and see we mapped out the entire film before we started uh-huh. editing. Um, and it's not exactly as it went down, but it's close, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And we did the whole film in segments, like meeting with the mayor. Um, oh, yeah. That was this good. witness, yeah. this other witness, the girls, the three girls that saw the creature. We did them all yeah. in segments. Yeah. And then Mark, Marco and I went to a cafe not far from here and put it together on paper. Uh, really? Because I kept saying to Marco, yeah. we wanted to escalate and escalate. So we didn't necessarily do it in chronological order in the way we filmed it. But, um, but it was a very good technique. And I was I'm really proud when I stitched it together finally how, how well it actually worked. We only shuffled a couple things around. But that's, that's how we did it. That just trimmed it down and trimmed it down. And, um, I think it was like two weeks ago, we were sitting here watching with, with, with another, actually my other partner, Boris, his wife, and, and, uh, you know, I edited the movie and I'm sitting there, sitting there like on the edge of my seat and she says something, points out something. And I said, Shh, because I was so, like the second so half for me, I was just on the edge of my seat. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this has got to be a good sign. But I'm like riveting on my own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you like, I think we're sitting on, on dynamite on this one. I really do. I really do. And, you know, uh, one of the things I, you think about is the, the creatures. I want to talk about all that, but I don't know if both of you want to talk about in a nutshell because a lot of people are not familiar with this case. I heard little bits and pieces of it over the years, but I never really looked into it. And then I was lucky enough to see your screener and like, oh my goodness. I don't think anyone out there is ever going to watch that and say nothing happened. Yeah. I mean, the way everything fits together. But which one, or, or both of you, both of you, or back and forth, who wants to lay it out? For the listening audience, so you can tell tell them as as a Brazilian and a researcher. Tell just give a a brief description of the case. <laughs> yes, so, uh, you have to do it in English backwards. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you better. No, yeah. No. Oh my god, <laughs> no, no, my English. Okay, I'll try. Okay. Uh, in two thousand um, ninety-six, January thirteenth of nineteen ninety-six, we had a report from a witness 
that he saw look like a ship. Uh, the ship has had a problem and some smoke came out. Like a the, big cigar. Yeah, like a big, big cigar. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it was a, he witnessed uh, like this ship was uh, falling down. Yeah, right? it looked like it was going to crash and yeah. it was in distress. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then he he saw, and, but he never thought that it was a UFO. You know, he thought that it was a, a conventional airplane, small airplane. So he went to take it out uh, to help uh, because he thought that there was some people inside. So when he arrived, he saw all the crash, like all the pieces of the look like aluminum, uh, yeah. and uh, all was all in the grass. Scattered grass. Scattered sounds like, sounds like Roswell a little bit. Yeah. You know, the debris. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 And then he, and then like maybe four to five minutes later, the uh, army trucks came from the other side of this field. We call, it's a farm actually. We call Fazenda Maiolini, Maiolini Farm. And, uh, and he, he reported that the, the militaries came to him and uh, they were like uh, some militaries got off the trucks and they were picking up some pieces and one military especially came to him and point his gun and say oh get out of here get out go away go away you know did they have to drop the pieces I mean did they yeah did anyone get away with anything yeah uh, no and he he had it, uh, one piece in his hand. That's yeah. what he told so us. So it was incredibly light, and and when he crumpled it up, it took shape again. Just like yeah. the alleged Roswell. Yeah, and, and this guy gave one brief testimony in 1996 to a guy, Claudio Covo and yeah. Rodriguez, Rodriguez, two yeah. very prominent UFO Brazilian researchers, and then he went just gone for the better part of 26 years. Marco tracked him down. I remember talking with Marco about this in 2013. I said, we've got to find this guy. Like, we've got to find the crash, the UFO crash witness. That's everything. Yeah. That links potentially the creatures that, you know, clearly were seen in town in broad daylight to the UFO, right? Mm -hmm. And so Marco tracked him down, what, a year or two ago? Yeah, like 2018. Uh, me and my partners, I have two partners, which was investigating with me in Brazil, uh, Joe Marcelo and Jordan Matucci. So we were looking for the, all the witness from this case. So we had a very hard time to find them. So we, uh, our other friend, uh, Paulo Pilon, he, he uh, reached him out, so we found. And we just went to talk to him, and he told us, um, like the same story, kind of the same story that he, he used to tell in 1996, you know. And, uh, and then the, the thing is, uh, there's another couple, uh, which we call farmers, farmers, mm -hmm. yeah, Oralina and Orico. Uh, they probably saw like the same day as Carlos, um, this, the same form of the same shape of this object. They described the same thing, yeah. two witnesses. There was about, theirs was what, two o'clock in the morning? Yeah, one o'clock in the morning. One o'clock in the morning, and he saw it crash at around five something a.m. We don't know definitively that it was the same craft, but we're, everyone's quite confident that it was the same craft. It's described the exact same thing. Yeah. The gash in the side, the smoke coming out the back, the same shape, the cold that we grown, 
Micronibus? Yeah, Micronibus. Like a school bus yeah. or cigar. Yeah. And um, Makes you wonder, like, let's just say this thing came from wherever, wherever it came from. Mm. Uh, what makes something like this happen where it crashes? I mean, this is speculative. But how, how could something like wherever it came from get here and then have a gash in the side? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't you think that? I mean, I think that's really bizarre. Yeah, unless it was shot at in, in subspace. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But it definitely had a gash in the side. All the witnesses said that. It had a huge gash in the side and white smoke billowing out the back. Amazing. And it was in distress. The way it was flying, it was in distress. Yeah. It was not going to last long. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> really something. And so... All right, so then uh, time go. Was this like a day or two when people saw this, the creatures afterwards, or what happened? A week. A week. Mm-hmm. So. In the uh, town of Virginia, which is what, 15, 17 miles away? Yeah, 17 to 18 miles away. Nobody knows exactly how the creatures got, whether they, they exited from a, a skate pod or there's a river that connects the two sites, the crash site to the, the site where the creatures were seen seven days later and captured. Um, that's all speculation. People don't just don't know like how they got there a, a week later. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, and then uh, the January twenty, the twentieth. Uh, so um, some locals from the neighborhood, which he calls Jardim and Daddy, uh, they saw uh, right in the morning, like around ten o'clock. Some locals reported. Uh, they saw some strange creature in some, um, in some like brush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, they called the, the service, like the firemen, the police officers and the firemen, the fi- fire brigade, 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 uh, they're connected to the military because it's different in, yeah. in Brazil. The firemen are actually part of the military. So uh, if you're yep. in the fire department, you're connected to the military because that's different in, in Brazil than oh, in the yeah. United States, yeah. yeah. So um, one thing that really, really fascinated me, and I'm trying to uh, find a, mm. a depiction online. I can't really find something right now. But the description of what they were seeing, the creatures, and and first of all, um, so let's talk about when the young girls, three young, I think there were three young girls, maybe one was a little older. Yeah. But um, they were walking in some like, a, not an abandoned area, but what? Yeah, it was actually was uh, very near from the first capture. So the first capture in January 20 uh, was by uh, who did was the, the uh, firemen. So they found the, this creature and they did the first capture and then with they, a net. Yeah, with, with a net mm-hmm. and then they oh, gave true. they gave the creature for the army uh, right in the morning of January 20. So and then the same day in through. 3.30 uh, in the afternoon, uh, the uh, the three girls was walking and through this field. Take a little shortcut home. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, Liliani was a little further, and she saw uh, this really strange creature. And the, her sisters, uh, Valkyria and Katya, Xavier, which was another friend of them. Mm-hmm. The uh, two sisters and a friend. Yeah. Katya was 21, Liliani was 16, and Valkyria was 14 years old. And it was broad daylight. Yeah. And then they saw this creature, and uh, they never thought that it was an alien, because they they actually, they didn't know what was an alien. They yeah. just described yeah. it like a devil, you yeah. know? Yeah, you hear, you hear a lot of 
people say basically the same thing. They they have no idea, and the first thing they think of is you know evil, satanic, or or, or whatever. And this this sort of did, but I I think it's amazing about the odor and that these that the odor stuck with these people. They're all saying Everybody. the same thing. They yeah. can't get it out of their nostrils. Yeah. One woman is rinsing with alcohol yeah. and her nostrils trying to get this smell uh, out. I, I got to say one thing quickly that I neglected to say earlier on, and that is that I didn't believe this case when I first heard about it. Mm-hmm. I was making out of the blue yep. with a guy, uh, Boris and Tim Coleman. And... Um, Tim had told me about it, I think, in the late 90s. And uh, and I just completely dismissed it. And it's funny because I was making a documentary on UFOs when I heard about this case. And I just thought, this is no way that that happened. And I completely dismissed it. And I actually laughed at my buddy Tim. And I'll get back to the relevance of this in a minute. And then fast forward probably 10 years I was going to Brazil, maybe a little more than 10 years. I was going to Brazil to do this conference. And um, and I talked to a guy who's high up on the food chain in the entertainment industry, very respected guy. In fact, I'll just give him his name. His name is Jeff Sagansky. And Jeff called and was like, oh, you're going to Brazil. You've got to look into the Virginia case. And I was like, you mean with the live aliens walking around the town? I was like, sure, Jeff, I'll look into it for you. Click. And I had zero intention of looking into it. So I'm not going to waste my time on that fantasy, right? There's no way that that happened. I mean, it was so, I can't believe how quickly I dismissed it. And this was after my, my third film on UFOs. I'd done, I know what I saw at that point, right? Yeah. But to me, to have allegedly a UFO crash and live aliens walking around this town was like, you gotta be kidding. You know what I mean? And now here I am all these years later and I, you know, time is the most precious thing we have in life. Yeah. I would never waste years investigating something if I didn't think there was something to it. Yeah. And now I'm absolutely convinced. And not only am I convinced, I had a friend of mine who's been a pretty good, uh, he, he is a very dear friend, highly skeptical of the whole subject matter, mm-hmm. a lot less so recently. He watched it last week. Yeah. And he called me up and he said, holy bleep. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the best film you've ever done because I actually believe this case now. Yeah. And this is coming from, so I knew, I was like, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted your audience to know, I get if anyone out there is thinking there's no way this happened and I just can't believe this is too outlandish. James has lost his mind. You know, I get that. Yeah. And I understand exactly how you, how you would think that, but they just say, and I actually had a TV crew here interviewing me months ago. I just gotten back from Brazil, quite mainstream TV crew filming me in the other room over here. And they said, Oh, we want to talk to you about your trip to Brazil on camera. And I said, Yeah, no, I don't think so. They would have, you don't think so. I said, Your audience is going to think I'm nuts. Uh, and yeah. so I said, You need to see the film, you need to see the evidence, and then you can, you know, draw your conclusion. If I just talk about it now, you're going to say, all right, this guy's a wacko. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I just had to kind of let your audience know that this is not something that I would just blindly believe happened without extensive, you know, research and, and, and multiple trips there and talking to the witnesses. And Mark and I, you know, um, um, yeah. I mean, and I think there were even times when you 
we're questioning what well, genre did a 180 uh, yes. and Pacacini and Pacacini because those guys were the uh, the leading investigators yes exactly so in Calderipov uh, and Mark Pichy the yes. four yes. so they they did this great um, job in like, back in the back uncovering everything yes yes was covering and all the media was looking to this case because you know the girls very yes you know very authentic yeah oh yeah and 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 speaking of that let me just ask you this Jane when you're a few of these people wanted to be anonymous and did not want to be on camera yet you did the behind shot facing forward I'm trying not to get too much away yeah but when you are facing them in the eye and talking to them yes do you just feel like hundred percent oh yeah no doubt absolutely. 100, 120%. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And what he went through, what we, when we were in Brazil on this, on a military, I'll refer to him as military X. He's the most significant eyewitness yeah. in the history of the case by a long shot. His testimony will just blow your mind. And it did. He, yeah. He, he was like, all the money in the world will not get me to come forward. Because he had met him like 10 months earlier, or 11 yes. months earlier, slowly just developing a relationship. The, 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 the military witness was suspecting that uh, that he was like in part of intelligence coming out. You know, so just to get a meeting with this guy took Marco a lot. And then when when I came into Virginia area, Marco was like, hey, you know, I wanted to meet this fellow. We're yes. doing the movie together, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, Spare you the details on how it eventually came down. I'll meet with coffee or a drink. Yeah. And we drove hours into the night and met with him uh-huh. and looked him in the eyes and yeah. talked to him for, for several hours. Yeah. And then, um, then he was like, maybe, maybe I will, maybe I won't. He was walking yeah. back and forth. Yeah. And it was like a, I think it might have been a Sunday. It was a couple days later. Maybe I'll do it Wednesday. Oh, I don't know. And I was, of course, thinking, oh, this guy's teetering. Yeah. You know, and it was like a, I think it was like a Sunday, and I finally said, "Hey, man, let's do it right now." Yeah, not right exactly. now, because yeah. I was thinking by the time Wednesday comes around, he's so going to change his mind. He might get yeah. a phone call. Yeah. He's going to sleep on it. He's going to change his mind. I mean, this guy was like teetering, right? Yeah, he's paranoid. Super paranoid. Yeah. Oh my god, super paranoid. And then it was like it was just it was right. It was the most tenuous situation of any interview I've ever done. In terms of like, it could have fallen apart at any moment. We were driving hours to get to his location. We had no secure place to film. He was terrified of being seen with us with cameras, like that was going to destroy him. He was so terrified. Now, let me ask you this: Did anyone <clears throat> say something to you, like off the record or off air, not being recorded? And they say, "I don't want to say that." Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so oh yeah. Mark and I had confirmation. We had a level of confirmation that nobody, I mean, I don't know anybody else has had. We, we interviewed Jose Carlos Guerrero, yeah. who's a general, a brigadier, brigadier, brigadier yeah. of the Air yeah. Force. And it was like 2013. Yeah, 2013. And he didn't want to talk about Virginia, didn't want to talk about Virginia. And then after the end of the interview, we talked about some pretty neat stuff. And he's kind of like speculated or gave a, possible scenario of what would happen if something like that did happen. And he would kind of talk about that way. But after the cameras were off and I looked him in the eye and I said, I swear on my life, there are no recording devices, none of this. And please, we were both pleased, yes. just pleased, you know, did Virginia happen? And I wouldn't reveal this. He's dead now. 
but we have the meeting on camera. We don't have that part on camera. We said, please, did it happen? And he said, it happened. And so Mark and I were like, oh, my yeah, gosh. It was amazing. It was so unbelievable, man. Wow. Two times, right? That kind of kept us both our, our you know, yeah. Yeah. That, those kind of um, confirmations that are completely off the record, no recording devices whatsoever, yeah. that kind of keeps you going. Yeah, I remember that you were asking. I was begging. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was on my hands and knees begging. Yeah. I was actually licking the boots. I said, oh, we're spending this, like, this time, you know, and yes. I'm willing to come here to cover this case. And yeah. then he decided to yeah. tell me about And you. Him. Yeah. yeah. So, Marco, amazing. how did you find these people? Are, it's probably not something you go on the internet to search someone. Yeah, no. So how do you, is it like through networking? Like, do yeah. you know this person that may know this person that may know this? Yeah, like, like, like a, a field researcher, researching, you yeah. know, like uh, I went to Virginia many times, many times in the work. I was talking to people and they were connecting us, but I have these two very good partners, friends, that John and Giordano. So we were looking into the whole uh, history about this case by Biracar and Pacini, and we had all the names of the witness and we knew uh, like all the witness so we we just reached out from the from this uh, witness and but it was very hard you know very hard to get all together and convincing them to yeah. come in. The doctor. Talk. Yeah, the doctor. The doctor. Yes. 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 That guy yes. was like, yeah. for years, he had a relationship with this guy. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Yeah. And then finally, <clears throat> he gets, uh, Dr. X is retired, and he says, I'll do it, but you can't film my face. You have to disguise my voice. And she gave us a photograph of him. And these are all legitimate, bona fide um, witnesses. Like, none of these, these witnesses are are, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that have been um, verified. These are not, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, these are legitimate um, witnesses. And, and and that guy's story, talking about taking an x-ray of what was probably yeah. the alien. Like, yeah. you know, yes. And the smell. And, like, yeah, let's, you know, the doctor that worked on the military guy who died, Marco Terizzi, yeah. Dr. Cesario. The guy, like, and he had on camera him, yeah. talking about, yeah. like, you know, yeah. the guy he worked on, he's like, I've never seen in prior, 45 years, been a doctor. Never, prior to the incident, and never after the incident, he's ever seen anything like it in his life. So they were throwing every bit of antibiotics at this guy, and his immune system was shutting off. He was 23 years old, super duper healthy. Yes. He died uh, from, he, he carried the bean. He carried the bean. He grabbed it with his own hands. And he put it on his lap in the back seat and took it to the local hospital with a guy named Eric Lopes driving. Yeah. And, and then he just became sick right away. Uh, well, within a week. Yeah. He had this early. Yeah. He, was like, he, um, February 10, he, he went to the, yeah, to the hospital. So he captured it on January 20th yeah, in the evening. Yeah. yeah. During a major rainstorm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, February 15, he admitted to the hospital. No, he died. Yeah, he died in okay, the, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so three, three weeks. Yeah, he died yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah. And was, did anyone else have any health issues? I know that people, you know, were talking about 
And, and I really love it when you like you talk to this woman. I forget where she was or whatever, and described it. And everyone kind of says the same thing, sort of like between ammonia and sulfur, yeah. or maybe a mixture of the two. And oily and worst, skin and the worst smell, and, yeah. They, yeah. And, it would, and it would linger for days, days, days and days and days. Yes. Yeah. And they didn't they everyone say they had to close something because they just like a hospital or a park? Yeah, they, could, they, they had to shut off a wing of the hospital for a long time because the smell was so so bad it was unusable. They just did all this disinfecting, and that didn't do it. <laughs> um, Names must be Venusians. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to mention Dr. Roger Lear mm-hmm, for a moment mm, because mm. in 2014, I'm going to say, uh, we were doing... Uh, which was then kind of 701, uh, and in Los Angeles we're doing a series of shoots. And I had just gone, with the help of, of Randall Nickerson, um, look, got got the witness from Rua, a 1994 uh, landing case and contact case in, in, in Zimbabwe, Rua Zimbabwe Aerial School. And um, Dr. Lear, I and mean, they were all coming in for interviews. And, and I was, uh, you know, I did have Virginia on the back burner. Dr. Lear found out I was doing something on, on, on Virginia. My focus at the time was Rua, but I still was, you know, investigating that one as well. And he was just adamant to get on camera. Unfortunately, he didn't tell me I have cancer and I'm dying. Otherwise, I would have made it more of a priority. Yeah. But he did get me these tapes. And I'm kicking myself now that I didn't get a chance to ask him about specifics. Because mm. he traveled to Virginia in 2002, mm. and he did a bunch of great interviews. Yeah, so this was before the two leading Brazilian researchers, Pacchini and Uberajara Rodriguez, who's also a lawyer in the town of Virginia, did a 180. They did a 180. Either that, or they just completely won't talk to anybody ever again. Mm. And that was in about 2005, mm. something like that. Right after book came out, and so anyway, I got these. I got these tapes, and then I made copies of them and sent it back to Dr. Roger Lear and he died. Uh, <clears throat> so I didn't even have a chance to even go through the tapes at the time. I was so busy with other uh, things. Of course. But like, I don't know, a couple months ago, I'm like, Marco, I've got these tapes of Roger Lear's trip in 2002 and it was a treasure trove of gold because we had the participation. He had the participation of the leading Brazilian researchers on camera talking about the case, showing us in great detail going to the fire department, going to the backside of the humanitarian hospital where the creatures were taken. Like, all these amazing details, yeah, right? And, uh, interviewing his wife. Me, interviewing Marco Trezzi, Marco Trezzi, the military itself, who was deceased after allegedly capturing the creature, an interview with her. Like, um, And then I also got his book, and I was reading his book, and there were details that I wish I could have, I really wish I could have gotten the opportunity to, to interview um Dr. Lear, because there were details in his book that were not taped. Because the book is basically a transcript of, of the tapes, because I watched the tapes and I read the book. But there are some meetings that he was not allowed <clears throat> to have recording devices in, and he details those meetings anonymously, the doctor from so-and-so, uh, in, in his book. And subsequently, and I can tell you that the details in that book of an alleged encounter with two doctors that apparently worked on one of the live aliens. I'm not saying it's true or it's not true. According to Roger Lear, it happened, and I have no reason not to believe it because we know that one of them survived. One of the creatures was alive, one of them was dead. Do we know how long that one left? 
living how long with the campinas alive right yeah that's what i to said said in the footage but uh there are other people witnesses that heard it making it sound like a bee like yeah, this was buzzing yeah, sound and yeah. crying when it was captured. This wasn't the first capture. Mm-hmm. Like a baby yes. crying or, or an animal crying. Like a baby. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but anyway, so I, I wanted to, you know, acknowledge, uh, Dr. Roger Laird. And if there's anybody yeah. out there that remembers Phil Serens, I believe his name is. Phil Serens was in the room at this meeting with the doctors, Ubedajara, Ubedajara's son, and Dr. Roger Lear. Uh, Dr. Roger Lear's dead. Phil Sarens, I tracked him down. He's dead. So Phil Sarens and Roger Lear must have given detailed accounts to some people that he's close with because that meeting with the doctor, uh, if, if true, is the most extraordinary thing I've ever heard on the case. And that's the two doctors describing telepathic communication with the live being. Yes. In the hospital while it's in the hospital with a military blockade on the outside of the hospital room and a massive military presence during the time. Now that's the account in Dr. Roger Lear's book. Mm-hmm. And I have no reason not to believe it, but I haven't had it verified by anybody in the room. And the people, Ubrajara and anybody else, Ubrajara said that Dr. Lear made that up. Of course he would say that he's denying pretty much everything on the case now. So I don't know if his testimony is, is, is still um, to be trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Even though I think his research is the best research on the case that anybody's done. Is oh, yeah. But unfortunately, he's done a 180, and I think somebody got to him. In fact, I think somebody must have gotten to him. Must he's, have. he's a really good friend of Rita, and um, he he just said that he doesn't have proof, like uh, ev- some evidence to prove the case. Yeah, but that's not what he said before. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. what he said on camera with Dr. Lear. Yeah. Yeah, no, so he, he has, has the page, he has the proof before. Yeah. And now he's not saying that. Yeah. So. Wow, interesting. So let's talk about the witnesses. The witnesses from, they're all from all over. I mean, they're not in one central location. Was there ever a time that the witnesses could have all talked to each other? Like, were they ever in like a, a group where they could have like exchanged stories? Or do you think these are all like they never had contact with yeah. each other? What do we know about that? If I had one, like, inkling or even a zero 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 one percent chance of that happening, I assume that I would have discounted their testimony. I don't think so for not even, not even a moment. Yeah. Not even like, not even on the radar. Right. Yeah. So, and, and what is, what I think is amazing is them basically all saying the same and, thing. You know, yeah. most of these witnesses didn't want to come forward, don't want to come yeah. forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, really haven't benefited in any way. In fact, quite the opposite. It's had a really awful impact on most of their lives. It seems like it has more than an awful impact. Like even and more being threatened. Yeah, it seems like it's worse than what you normally hear about a case. Yeah. You know, yeah. like is is Brazil generally, you know, thinking that anything to do with aliens or UFOs or anything like that is just not to be talked about. No, because the, the Brazilian government, um, I can let him comment on this as well, because we've been together for a couple of interviews with generals, both an army general, um, Uchoa. Yes. And, uh, Carlos, Jose Carlos Pereira, the brigadier. And they were both completely open about the topic of UFOs, huh. except that they're real. They're like, yeah, UFOs are real. This is their flight characteristics. They exhibit a, a, a flight, uh, characteristics that are, way beyond anything within conventional aircraft, 
that UFOs are real, they're under intelligence control, all that stuff. But when it came to Virginia, and I don't know it's because you've, it's a very big difference between, you know, a, a craft that you're unable to identify and beans on the ground, right? Yes. And, and crash recovered debris. And another thing that we learned beyond a shadow of doubt, every single witness we spoke to is that the Americans were involved. The Americans came yes. to Brazil. Yes. Even radar operators. And not in military weapons. uniforms. No, not in military uniforms. Civilian, like, well, yeah, but they were dressed civilian. United States Air Force craft that landed in Campinas that took something on the 22nd of January. Yeah. So if, if the Brazilian government or military, uh, is fully transparent on the Virginia case, that's gonna, um, that's gonna expose the U.S. involvement as well. And according to these witnesses, they've got a lot more now to hide. So, um, there may be, uh, a reason why the Brazilian Air Force, the Brazilian military has, has put the kibosh down on this particular case because it would expose the Americans as well. And why do you think Americans got involved in something like this? It's just speculation, but why would they, why would the military get involved in a Brazilian case? Well, I mean, the Americans are involved everywhere. So that I've learned firsthand, not from reading it out of a book, you know, and I could go, I could go on until your audience uh, eyes glazed over, but suffice to say that, you know, from Tehran to Belgium to England to Australia to uh, Africa uh, to Brazil, there's always, and that's why when ATIP got announced on the front page of the New York Times in late 2017, I was like, well, that's great news and that's really cool. They got some release, some, 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 some photographic evidence and videotape evidence, but this is nothing new to me because I've known every military, every witness I've talked to, primarily the better the case, the more likely that happened, that uh, the Americans were involved. So I knew they never stopped investigating and intimidating witnesses. And collecting data that, that that's happening all over the world, and I and I didn't just I didn't believe it. I learned it from talking directly to these witnesses. They all like, yeah, the Americans came, yeah, the Americans came. It's like they all said that. It's like really in the seventies, in the eighties, in the nineties, like in the two thousands. So their investigation never stopped, and they have an uncanny ability. And it's just to my surprise as well. They have an uncanny ability to monitor. These things going on all around the world. They always show up. If it's a good case, they will show up. Like Amazing. about it, the American was involved with too. Yeah. After the he's been trying to get me to do something on this 1977 case. I guess it went on for like a year or more. Yes, more. I, the, they have got video evidence yeah. or filmed. I guess it would have been filmed. Yes, video tape didn't exist at the time of yeah. craft coming out of the Amazon. Yeah, and close encounters of third kind. And uh, that's something that we might at some point, Marco and I might, might, might stick our teeth into. Well, I'm going to have to hear a little bit more about it. Well, it's, uh, it's an <laughs> incredible case because we have all of the Air Force, Brazilian Air Force, of which was involved. And they took more than 400 pictures of these UFOs. Uh, we call the Chupa Chupa phenomenon. And then, uh, and then the Air Force went to this small island in Polaris, Polaris, to figure out, and other uh, cities around to figure out what was uh, what's going on, you know, and uh, a lot of reports from the witness, like very simple people, 
which saw the UFO and the UFO sent look like a, a lie and they were believing that uh, they were sucking the blood or something else and uh, yeah it's really incredible with a lot of many details. How do we know the Americans were involved? Because I heard from uh, the very good researchers uh, and uh, was a conversation by some
So getting back to the Air Force. You just see my silhouette. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. The, this in showing up in every country, I've, I've always wondered, you know, as as we went along, like. I can tell you the first time I heard it. Okay, you're going to have to move this over this way. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking a, a couple of things. Yeah. Like so someone said to me in one of the shows recently, um, well, the, if, oh, that's perfect, whatever you did. If the U, U.S. Air Force is not getting involved in the UAP like the Navy is, if, you know, and, and, and they Mellon. should be. That was Christopher Mellon. Uh, well, maybe you mentioned that, yes, but yeah, other people have been yeah. speculating too. Yeah. And so, but, but they would have so much explaining to do, mm-hmm. wouldn't they? Like if they said, oh yeah, there's something to these. They've been quietly, you know, Project Blue Book, Blue, Blue Book closes in 1969, but it didn't really. I mean, yes, it did, but there's still investigations ongoing. There always has been. Mm-hmm. And it's through the Air Force. But in reality, my thoughts are, and yours can be totally different, but I still think that no one really knows what's going on. That's my own thoughts. Like they may know more than we know, but they don't really know exactly what's going on. Well, what are your thoughts about that? Well, that you know, I I firmly believe that they know it's going on, yeah. and they have hard evidence to prove that it's going on. Yeah, they've got. I believe this, and you can criticize me for believing this, and I don't blame you one bit. But I believe that bodies and and debris have been recovered. I didn't used to believe that. Yeah. I only believe that after sticking my teeth into this, really talking to witnesses and really having to set my own, like, uh, disbelief. I mean, I, I had a really hard time going from crafting the sky to being on the ground. Let's just put it yes. I had a very tough And so does any skeptic. And all then, the skeptics say you can't make the jump to I aliens. I do not right? blame them yeah. one bit. I yeah. just, all I can tell you is you don't have to believe anything that's coming out of my mouth and I don't blame you if you don't. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. But I am convinced now that yeah. we have recovered debris and, and bodies. I'm just convinced of it. There's more evidence to suggest that we have than that we haven't. And, but that doesn't mean they have all the answers. They don't know what their agenda is, where they come from, what do they want. Yeah. And I don't believe, honestly, from the highest levels of people that I've talked to, and believe me, I'm asking. I'm one of the most curious people on the planet about this. I'm dying to know what's going on. Yeah. And I'm coming to the realization that I'm probably never going to know. Yeah. And that sucks. I know. I've said and that. I'm sports, I go after it, you know. And yeah. I'm really, I mean, I'm learning more and more, but the more I learn, the more I realize I don't, how much I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel comfortable talking about the things that I do know because i got a film coming out that will back up everything I'm telling you right now. But, um, yeah, I believe that, well, I'll, look, this is what I do believe, that the phenomenon is omnipresent. It's around us at all the time. Mm-hmm. It has the ability to manifest itself in a multitude of ways. And I've said this before, but it's just the best conclusion. Uh, it, it's omnipresent. And it, and it, and it can manifest itself in physically, like nuts and bolts, but also telepathically or psychically, you know? I've talked to really like hardcore, pragmatic, nuts and bolts witnesses, military guys that go, I don't want to tell you this. I don't, what do you mean? I don't, I, I just, I don't want to tell you this. It's like, well, <clears throat> you're not going to, I said, well, just try me. And they say it communicates with you. And yeah. I've heard that so many times. Yeah. And so uh, there's that element of it as well. Um, 
but who they are, what they want, where they come from. I have no idea, and I don't think anybody does. Right. Talking about the telepathic, yeah. that, that really fascinates me because so many people say that. Yeah. A lot of people have said that um, the message comes in about our planet, taking care of our planet, or our planet is, you know, in trouble. Um, that type of thing I think is fascinating. But um, it take an alien to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's All true. you got to do is yeah. open your eyes like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, going way back, you know, I mean, yeah. going back, you know, years, of course, it's always been in the news, you know, what we're polluting or whatever, but still that part. And, um, and then, you know, I had, I had, I had this wonderful story. I'm not going to, because my listeners have already heard it, but I'll tell you afterwards, but I, I, this weird thing happened to this guy. He's listening to the show and he contacted me and I totally believe what he's saying in this whole thing. But he said, I didn't want to say this, but it's, it said to me, don't worry, we're just observing you. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. And then everyone. Johnson told me that he was a, a, an airline pilot, a commercial airline pilot. I had a number of people, but that in particular, because he didn't want to tell me. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to Yeah. So it just popped in his head. But yeah, everyone he was with. We're not here to harm you. Yes. Yeah. said to him. Yeah. Trent Johnson. Yeah. You know exactly where, where I was standing when he said it. Yeah. He didn't want to tell me because yeah. he knew how crazy it sounded. Yeah. And it is. It is, it is really amazing to think that someone communi- can communicate like that. It's like this web of intelligence. It's like all interconnected. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think Andrew Mitchell was onto something with yeah. the Noetic Institute. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. The intelligence is all connected. Yeah. I think and it is. Yeah. 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 That's pretty, pretty amazing. I know we're, we're off of the Vashina case a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> That's okay. But I do want to, I don't think I've ever asked you this anytime I've ever talked to you. What made you decide to look in the topic of UFOs? I remember you would talk to your father when he was going to do your first film and he said, don't do it or oh you're crazy to do God, it. But, the level of resistance I got from my friends and family. <laughs> but, but in the beginning, what, what made you interested in this topic? I don't think I've ever asked you that question in the very beginning. Well, I had a sighting when I was 20 with my friend, Lisa Reinhardt. And uh, she actually just, you know, we talked about it. We've talked about it over the years, but recently, you know, yeah. she talked about the telepathic communication that we had. But that was what made it so unusual is that we both were like, I don't know what the bleak that is, but whatever it is, I get the impression it knows we're looking at it. And I said, yeah, I feel the exact same thing. And so uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with like, you know, Five years, you know, well, three, four, five years later, which at the time when I was in my early 20s seemed like a long time, but now five years is nothing. Um, why I would suddenly be obsessed. I mean, I did have a friend of mine talk about a, friend, a really good friend of mine from college, just coming from high school, this guy, Renee Harris, and he was talking to me about, you know, Roswell. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, buddy. And I said, well, Good high school friend of mine. I'm going to have to write him off because he's lost his morals. <laughs> and then I, I, I did bring it up with a guy named Richard Van Sickle at a video production company that I was um, apprenticing with. Uh, and and Richard was a very smart guy, man. Like very mainstream, smart. You know, just he goes, oh yeah, you ever heard about Roswell? It was like in the early nineties. I don't know, mm-hmm. 94, 95, 94, You know, ninety three, ninety four. 
And I was like, no, I didn't hear about Roswell. He goes, oh, yeah, man, the military announced it. I mean, the military is the one that said it happened. And anyway, that got me kind of, and I went to a couple of conferences and I thought, wow, maybe there is something to this. This seems like a pretty big story. This man is just slipped between the cracks. Because people ask me, like, you know, what keeps you going, right? A, I'm very curious. But B, I feel like, wow, this one really did slip between the cracks. This is a big story. Hmm. You know, I can't simply write off all these great, incredible witnesses. You know, of course, now, you know, now I'm questioning my mind, not a shadow of doubt. Yeah. It's all going on. Um, what does it all mean? You know, I think if it's, if it's, even if it's a scary reality, um, it's, it's, it's a reality. It's part of the bigger picture of, of who we are and, and, and how we fit into the, into the larger picture. And I think that's, that's important and that we yeah. should embrace the unknown and, 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 and see if we figure some of it out because it's like, you know, it's fascinating. It is. I mean, and, and it's, you know, we probably learn more about ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, well, I was ridiculed for so long. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How did that? Oh God. People, I got, I got a poster in my office of me back in 2000. Five, six, seven, and it says, you know, into the realm of ridicule, even though everybody knows that James Fox is still out there looking for the, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, that's just, that's how I was treated. Yeah. You know, but nobody's laughing now. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, 2017, lots changed. Yeah. And do you think your, your movie, The Phenomenal, if 2017 never happened, that never came out the way it did, do you think it would have gotten anywhere near the attention? No. I, I believe you. I believe you. No. Yeah. It would have gotten attention as yeah. it did out of the blue and I knew what I saw, but no, yeah. like that. Yeah. It got mainstream attention. Yeah. Like very mainstream. I mean, you know, we got written up and, you know, we got mentioned in like the New Yorker and I mean, very mainstream, you know, publications that would never, ever comment on UFOs ever. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're, it's funny now, actually, because I get calls from some of these people, and and I'm like, these guys are actually taking this stuff seriously. I think uh, Senator Harry Reid, yes, getting him yeah. on camera that was, was a great major move. Thank you, thank you, George and App, by yeah. the way. Yeah, um, that was because he's a household name. Yes, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, or whatever, the guy's a household name, and he was yeah. Senate Majority Leader. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yes. Having him confirm what we've all suspected all these years. Yeah. Uh, and then having the evidence, uh, from the cockpit recordings of these UFOs. Yeah. And saying, yeah, this is legit military stuff. It's mm-hmm. a big deal. It is. I had people contact me from all over. Oh my God, James, like skeptical family members were like, wow, my God, we were just maybe, maybe you were on this, you know. Well, that's good. Yeah. I like to hear that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, people are coming to come. I mean, look. I couldn't believe, was it last year? When, right before the report came out, June 24th, 2001? Right. Was that? Yeah, June 30th or whatever. June something, yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah. 2021 with that preliminary assessment was supposed to be yeah. made public. Yes. And, and leading up to that, there were lots of articles and Leslie Kane and Christopher Mellon and Lou Elizondo, they talked about, I couldn't believe it was on a podcast as well as in print. They talked about recovered debris. Right. Crash debris. Yeah. Yeah. Mainstream was talking about that. I was really shocked. I was really shocked when I heard Lou 
I'm say that he he was kind of put in a corner where he had to say mm. either yes or no that yeah. it might exist. Yeah, and in uh, that he said basically yes. Yeah, uh, that that he does believe there was some crash materials recovered. Yeah, I believe he, I don't know exactly. You know, I'm paraphrasing. Mm. I don't know exactly what he said, but it's along those lines, and that is a big deal. Very big deal, and I and I I've talked about this before, but uh, you don't get that many moments in my career where I'm literally pinching myself, and I've had a, a couple of those. I bet, and and uh, and I can tell you all of them, but one in particular, I've, I've maybe maybe four or five in my whole career, and I've been doing this thirty years now, twenty nine years. Yeah, um, was when, and I didn't want to push. Senator Reed too far. I mean, I just couldn't believe I was in the room with Senator Reed. Yeah. Daughters. Okay. Yeah. Thank you again, George Knapp. Yeah. Did I say that again? George Knapp, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, I wasn't sure what his comfort level would be. And, and so I, I just went kind of on the conservative side for the first part of it. And then I kind of would feel him out of it and I'd push him a little further and a little further. Yeah. And then I think I got right up to the break of his comfort. I would just push yep. that envelope a little bit more. And that's when I, I had talked about the landing case that was allegedly filmed by yes. a crew of, uh, it was, uh, was it no, that was not Holland. Holland was, 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 was the 60 something, 64. This was, um, Edwards Air Force. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I interviewed, uh, Cooper, Gordon Cooper. Right. Gordon Cooper did not, was not a witness. He, right. He saw the film, the film. Yes, he, he did. He saw, film. Yes, he did. Yeah. He, he was a witness to the film footage. He handed the film footage over yeah. to military jets flew it from Washington. Of course, never seen her from again. And I brought that story to the attention of Senator Reid, and Senator Reid finished, like finished what I was about to say. Oh, and the evidence was never seen or heard from ever again. And that's yeah. when I said, "Did you guys go after that stuff?" And he's like, "Yeah, we did." I said, "Well, why?" Well, hey, and they kind of like started to change the direction of the conversation. And I said, "Well, hold, hold on." Are you suggesting that there's evidence that hasn't seen the light of day? And that's when he takes the set water. found statement right there. Yeah, that was yeah. like, yeah. for me, and I know I've talked about this and some of your audience has heard me say, but that was, wow. Because you could see, and it felt much like when you watch the cam, when you watch the cameras rolling after the fact, it doesn't seem like this, like pregnant pause during that moment of taking a sip of water, but at the time it was like, ugh. You know, yeah. the air almost sucked out of the room. Yeah. And and I was like, okay, well, what's he going to say? You know, and that's when I think he just said, the heck with this. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm saying that most of the evidence hasn't seen one a day. And he well, was that type of guy, too. He, you, never had to, you never had to guess what that guy was thinking. Kind of a big deal yeah. to have that level yeah. of confirmation. And it frustrates me to see how, you know, the mainstream media has been playing catch up with this story. Hmm. And I'm like, they can put me in the room with those congressmen and senators. I know the right questions to ask. They can't, yeah. they can't be telling me China and Russia. I've been to China. I've been to Russia. Yeah. I've been with generals in both places. They're just baffled by this phenomenon as we yeah. are. And that's just like, come on. Man. It is about the right questions too. Of course it's about yeah. the right questions, but you can't, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you can eliminate, you do the process of elimination and that leads you with only one thing. We're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Someone asked me recently, I was being interviewed on. You just need to come out with it. Right. I was being, someone said in your 10 years, uh, over 10 years of doing podcasts, um, what is the most profound thing that you've learned? And I basically 
said is that there is actually really something going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And your podcast is going on. Can you <laughs> prove it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. No, but but again, it's like, and I've said this a few times on my show. It's like I feel as though these ten years in of doing this podcast, I have more questions and I know less about what it is. Um, I have ideas, but and it's really I'm wonderful. I've been a Google over five hundred people mm-hmm. that I can hear different thoughts. Mm-hmm. But I still think that I still think um, that it could be a combination of who knows. And I think that anybody says they've got the answers. Yeah, run doesn't yeah. have the answers. Right. I don't believe that for a minute. Yeah. I have been traveling around the globe. Yeah. Talking to witnesses, both military and civilian. Yeah. And I'm dying to get the answers, and I'm not getting them. Well, let me ask you this, James. If you had to guess, so where do these guys get those answers from? Yeah. Some pretty high level people. Yeah. In every like all over. Yeah. If you had to guess, if you had to guess what these the objects are that are showing up in the sky, maybe crashing or whatever, would you think it would be extraterrestrial as I always possibility for an alien? Alien. Because yeah. they're alien from us. Yeah, because they could be here. They could be They could be here. They could be yes. time travelers. Yeah. They could be interplanetary. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. Or it could be all of the above. Yes, a mixture of all of the above. Pretty big universe. Yeah. Or they call multi multiverse. Yeah. That's so. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 I'm of the camp that we don't know, and it could be all of the above. That's why. That's. I mean, you know. Um, yeah. Didn't you see? Could, did I did I talk to you one time? Um, James, when you said that you saw like a film and they wouldn't let you show it, but it was a crazy film. Yeah. Can you give any details about that? Sure. Yeah, I want to hear about it. You mean the, the Chuck Clark one? I'm not sure, but I remember you, t- you talking about it. It's the best UFO footage I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the, it's the Holy Grail footage. And I saw it with these eyes. Yeah. And I can tell you where it is and who has it. But you can't. I'll tell it. Chuck Clark has it. Okay. Chuck Clark wrote the handbook on Area 51 back in the 90s. It's called the, the hit, it might have been the handbook on Area 51 S4, something like that. Look it up, Chuck Clark on Google. All right, so is this Chuck Clark still alive? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, has any, is anyone trying? All right. Do you want to hear the Yes, I want to hear the punch? Yes. Yeah, I'll say it for this. So I was doing a, I was doing 15 years of denial back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It was like 90, maybe 95, something like that at the time. I had just four years, I think. And uh, I was interviewing Chuck Clark, who had set up like a double wide out at uh, Little Italy Inn, just out right near the Little Italy Inn, the town of Rachel. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, well, you know, after the Bob Lazar revelations and all that stuff. Because uh, I think Bob, Bob Lazar came out in 89 or something. Anyways, early 90s, early to mid 90s. And I was interviewing um, Chuck Clark and uh, for my piece, an unrelated thing, uh, he had some observations. He could go to these, he was a very smart guy, he was an amateur astronomer, he was a former military guy, and he could interpret maps somehow and know the areas that the military didn't want you to go, that there were a couple of little loopholes, little, like you could somehow jump 
from one, you know, he could get to vantage points and look down onto the base with high-powered telescopes and cameras, and he was taking pictures of stealth secret stuff. And he had a couple of incidents where he saw objects doing maneuvers that were impossible, and he talked about that. It was for my movie, 50 years ago. <clears throat> I had an ongoing relationship with him for a while, you know, because I was fascinated by the whole thing. And uh, one day, he calls me up, and he says, uh, hey, James, this is Chuck. He says, um, I say, hey, what's going on? He goes, uh, I got something you need to see. And I said, okay, well, can you tell me more? He's like, no, but I will tell you this. When you see it, your jaw's going to hit the floor. Uh-huh. I said, that good? He goes, that good. So I jumped in my car in Northern California, and I drove straight to Area 51, the Rachel Nevada. What is that, eight hours? Time. I thought I'd say it was like 12 or 14. I okay. can't yeah. Long drive. <laughs> and I drove all the way through the night. And I was like, I'm going to see what this guy's about <laughs> to show me. Yeah. And I get to this, I get to this trailer and I, I don't know, man, I think it was like, I, I couldn't tell you what time of day it was. I got to remember where it is this trailer. And, uh, he's like, sit down. And I'm sitting down in front of a little TV set. He's got a VHF player and, uh, pops the tape in, hits play. He didn't like say a whole lot prior to that. It's like, mm-hmm. and uh, it's these two guys on a road trip, and I get on those road trips. They got goofy music playing, and they're like, "Hey," and they're posing next to the little alien, you know, inside the little alien, goofing off and just goofing off, being kids on a road trip. Uh, and then um, they had music playing in the car, and then all of a sudden, the car stopped. They're on a dirt road. They're stopped. They're filming, and it looks like if I'm in the driver's seat and he's in the passenger seat, it looks like someone took the camera and put it on the armrest in between the two, and it's not level. The camera's cocked just a little bit, a little bit. It's just it's not level. I'm a camera guy, so you can see it. And uh, and they're screaming. It's filming the dashboard, the dash, the windscreen, the you know, all the knobs and the air conditioning and the radio. The radio was off. She was totally silent. And they're screaming at each other back and forth. And it sounded like they're trying to crawl under the seats. Where it mm. sounded. Mm. But they're not being filmed, so I don't know what they were doing. But that's what it sounded like. It's over the top of us. It's over the top of us. Get down. Get down. It's over the top of us. And all of a sudden, the inside of this car lights up like a Steven Spielberg movie. Okay? It was mm. like a orange kind of an orange glow. What kind of, what time of day? Was it was it? dusk. It was dusk. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. dark. It wasn't light. It was mm-hmm. dusk. Mm-hmm. And it lights up this dashboard like, like orangey light. And the whole cabin had this light inside. Mm-hmm. And here's the crazy part. The shadows on the inside of the car were doing this really fluid kind of motion where they were kind of just you were like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? Guaranteed you'd never see anything like it. Because the only way that could happen is that above the car, there was a light source on a pendulum doing this kind of, but it wasn't like a consistent movement in the sense that it was like a pendulum yeah. where it would go this way like a clock and then back. Yeah. No, it was more inconsistent than that. It was like, it was like doing something like this, the light inside the car and they were freaking out. Okay. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm looking, Chuck is looking at me and I'm going, what the hell is going on here? Then one of the guys 
who's like 19, I'm told, according to Chuck. He's like, I'm getting out. I'm going to film this thing. And the guy is screaming at him not to get out of the car. And he gets out of the car anyway. And he, I don't know if he pants, because he he got the camera. And 60 feet above the car, not like the car, the car is here. He's standing here and the object here. Okay. Like here. He's filming up at the object. So you can see, you can see the bottom of the craft. But you can also see the side and a little bit of the top of the craft. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like an angle. I mean, it was blowing. You're going to hit it in the rock. Okay. And it's filming like this and it looked like the skin of this craft was alive. Wow. It looked like phosphorus, like you see on a beach, like it was glowing, but there were no light sources, right? What color? What, what like color? a yellowy orange. Uh-huh. And then, if you take a pie, like if you have a perfect disc, like a, like a pie, and you have like a long pizza knife, and you very evenly cut the thing up, but you didn't remove the pieces, it had like darker scenes. Hmm. Those, they're perfectly symmetrical. They're beautiful. Hmm. And the whole thing was glowing, and it was just wobbling, like magic, right? Just like this. I swear to God. I swear on my life if I saw this thing. Okay? Wow. It's going like this. This is the best one I've ever seen. Times a hundred billion. Yeah. I looked over at Chuck, and then the kid who's filming it goes, oh my God. And then the camera shuts off. I think he said, he might have even said the batteries were going out or something, but he goes, okay, the camera shuts off. He goes, he said exactly what I was saying in my head. Mm. Oh my God. Like, and he couldn't even say it. He was like, oh my God, like that. Yeah. And then, bam, And I'm just going, Chuck, this is the holy grail. Like, oh my God. He got a movie in touch with the footage. He said that these kids had come and they had dinner or whatever at the little alien and then they crossed. They left. And then they came back. They went out to the black mailbox. Apparently it was right around there. Mm-hmm. They came back over there freaking out. Oh my God. You know, he didn't believe what we just saw and we videotaped. So they showed Chuck, I guess, and Pat and whoever else was there at the time and they let Chuck make a VHS tape. I mean, that, you know, so there are two. So I said to Chuck, Chuck, I said, Chuck, I, I have to have this, this footage. Yeah. Oh, no, I promised him I wouldn't. You know, I said, well, money. You? Oh. Money. You don't think I didn't offer money? Or you can't, I didn't no, money. money, time, money but I could borrow the money. And I yeah. remember talking to people in, in New York. I was like, there are more things. <laughs> this footage is real. Yeah, you can have 30 grand. You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Chuck said after, uh, after about 10 years, and I'm the most tenacious person I think you'll ever meet. He said, if you ask me again, I'm never speaking to you. Oh, I went that far. And I asked him again. <laughs> and, and, and so Chuck wouldn't get back to me. I was calling him. I was tracking him out. I wrote letters. wouldn't get back to me. Uh, so recently, and I can't really reveal too much of this, but recently I said, screw it. I'm talking about this, and I'm talking about it with his name. I've had yeah. like." Yeah. You know, this guy's going to die in his trailer with this footage. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why, why? Just because he, he gave him his word. I, I said, said honorable, just uh, put me in touch with the people who yeah. shot it. Let me at least talk to them. Yeah. He wouldn't do it. Why? He didn't say. 
So, I mentioned this about a year ago, maybe a little longer. I don't know, a year and a half. When did the phenomenon come out? Late 2020. So anyway, I mentioned it on a show. Yeah. This guy contacts me. He's like, I'm a, I think he's a private investigator or something. He goes, I find him. Yes. Yeah. You want me to find Chuck? I said, yeah, find him. So keep my name out of the mix. Yeah. He won't talk to me. And so he found him. He did. Yes, he did. And he went to see Chuck in Arizona in the middle of nowhere. And Chuck got on the footage. And he said, it's exactly as you described it, James. However, the VHS tape is, del- is degraded. Oh, it's brought out as well. So. Chuck tells, tells the guy the name of the cameraman, the production company, who was at a TV uh, news station in Los Angeles, uh, who had who had made the VHS copy, I believe what he said, made a VHS copy from the beta, I believe it was the beta or the beta SP for Chuck. I get in touch with George Snapper at this time, and I said, George, I said, George and I had talked about what's the most amazing footage you've ever seen. It was the fact that the time when I interviewed George in, um, in Las Vegas, when I interviewed Senator Aaron Reed. And so I told George about, you know, Chuck Clark. And George goes, oh, and the last thing that Chuck said to me when he said, I'll never talk to you again, is, I don't even have the tape anymore. And I thought to myself, what do you mean you don't have the tape anymore? How could you not have He's that? trying to get rid of me. Well, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, so I told, I told George Knapp about this. George goes, oh, yeah, I covered. He got raided by the feds. His uh-huh. place got raided. I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah, I covered it for the local news. Yes. His place was raided. His his trailer was raided. Yeah, I did a story on it. I know Chuck well. Jeez. I said, well, Chuck, apparently, you know, at the time I didn't know that because I, you know, I hadn't made that announcement publicly. I didn't know that Chuck still had the footage. And that, you know, so I called George and I started putting the pressure on him right after I found out that, that Chuck had the tape and Chuck was willing to show it, you know, and maybe like, so what I'm getting at here is that George was really busy. George had, I said, George, the best footage. I'm telling you, man, you've got to go after this. He goes, oh, I'll go after it. And I don't know. When George got busy, he didn't do it. And I pushed George hard. And George responded one time. He sent me a text, like, back the bleep off. You're not my wife. You know? And I was like, okay, I'll back off. And I'm just yeah. telling you, man, if you don't follow the speed, you're making a big mistake. Yeah. Well, the cameraman that transferred the beta tape died like a month later. Uh-huh. So now he's gone. Mm-hmm. So we went and contacted his place of work. Thinking he's got to have that beta SP in a library somewhere. We contacted his son. His son didn't know. Any lead at all back to the original two? The beta SP? No, the two guys filmed no. it. No. No. Not uh-huh. on. Yeah. Hey, but this truck, it, it tears my heart out. Yeah. Do you think Chuck would be able to reach those people if he was? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Is it Chuck? I don't know. I don't know. So you think that tape was taken in the raid? Most likely. No, it wasn't. Oh, no, it was not. Because it was seen afterwards. Yes. Ah. Yes. 
So it still exists. Yes, I know it exists. I, yeah. My friend just went and saw it like months ago. All right. So anyone listening to this, get on this. Well, unfortunately, the guy that gave Chuck is now dead. And he died literally like a month or two after I was telling George Knapp to go after it. Because George Knapp went after it and got his name. He would have been still alive. He would have gotten a high resolution quality from Beta XP, according to Chuck. Yeah. When you saw it, was it clear? It was clear. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It was like brand new. And how about that? Was there any sound or anything? Or yeah, I told you the sound. They were screaming at each other. Oh, the sound of the craft? Yeah. You could hear a pin drop. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Wow. And nothing when they were inside the car other than yelling at each other. Yeah. I mean, it was quiet. Man. It was eerily quiet. Yeah. Not even a buzzing. Nothing. It was magic. And I remember thinking when I looked at it, I said, this is why the witnesses that I've talked to are at a loss for words. Because you've never seen anything like it. You have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. And the way it glowed, because, you know, you feel like a light source, like if there's a light shining on something, but if the skin is alive, yeah, like if the fabric of the craft is alive, which would it look like? Like a jellyfish. Like a jelly, yeah. Yeah, and you, you, you just look at it, and you're just speechless. I was speechless wow. when I saw that footage. Wow. And the fact that it's never seen the light of day disgusts me. You know, the, uh, my one real UFO Put it that way. Yeah, shame on Chuck Clark, man. I mean, yeah, you know, it's like yeah. you're gonna keep the best evidence to yourself in your in your house and not even try to get the people to come forward. Like, you know, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. You know, what I mean, it makes so, you wonder. Just like I've been, you know, it's like, like a year ago, I saw that with it. I'm talking about it now, yeah. openly, and I talked about it before. I don't know if I revealed his name or not, but anyway, you know. Or, you know, Chuck could have at least said why he didn't want to come forward. Yeah. Like, you know, just give me something. I'm not, I won't talk to you again if you ask me. Why the hell did you show it? You know who I am. You know what I do. Exactly. You're going to show me that footage and say you can't have it? He reads and I won't even make an effort for you to get access to it? Yeah. Zero? Yeah. Zero. Just let me talk to the people. That's all I wanted. If there was anything you if you had a chance to do everything all over again. I'd have grabbed that tape and ran out of there. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> you don't know you so I, I don't I would grab that tape and run out of there. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Because that doesn't belong to one person, that belongs to all of us. That's yeah. the best evidence I've ever seen times hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing even close. Yeah. I mean imagine a disc in dusk that you can hit with a rock and several seconds long. This yeah. is not like something like there's no it's not like, oh, that could have been a stealth aircraft. No, no. This was sitting in one place, and it was doing this weird, like, very fluid. The way it, it was like this kind of thing, like it was like bobbing in the water. Yeah. You know? And probably nothing to do with Area 51 test equipment. Who the hell no. But I mean, well, it, maybe it was. But I'll tell you what, now, it was a flying saucer that defied physics when we stood it. Yeah. And didn't make any noise, and was right. 60, 70 feet off the ground, right there. Yeah. Okay. That's what I saw. Yeah. God, we'd all love to see that. All of us would love to see that. That's what I saw. Yeah. Um, That tape exists. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I remembered to talk about that. Sorry, I get really, yeah, that, yeah, that's the one that got away. Yeah. And I don't give up easily. You can ask this guy. <laughs> you remember some of the witnesses that I want to go talk to? You're like, you're out of your mind. They're not talking to that guy. Yeah, exactly. James. <laughs> I do not give up easily. Come on. No. They told you about Eric Lopes, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the guy with the gun? Yeah. Yeah. That's when I used to be in the car because it wasn't 
Thank you. Yeah, I think there's there's video of you sitting in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can sit uh, three times. Everyone hears about get shot <laughs> before you get out of the car. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, you know, he said it very quickly, and I did not understand what was going on. Bala. I didn't know what Bala was. That's <laughs> very similar in French, actually, but. Tell the mayor's bathroom. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a crazy, that's a crazy, yeah. scene. You said that's the craziest scene I've ever shot. Yeah. Ever been part of. Yeah. He said, oh, you, something was on his face. I could see the yeah. stress. I'll never forget it. And why do you think he was so. They told him to shut his pile, was why. Mm. No question. Yeah. Zero. So he's basically threatened. Oh my God. I, look, I can't prove that. But yeah. it was written all over his face. Yeah. Are you kidding? All you do is say, hey guys, how you doing? It didn't happen. This, this is a joke. It never happened. Uh, uh, that is not what he said. And before you met, you, you know, just didn't ask him anything. Yeah. If you hear talk about the ET, I'm not going to talk. He's not going to talk. Hmm. Like, oh, okay. It's like the cops went up to your house. Oh, there's no drugs in here, officer. Yeah. It's like, well, we didn't ask you about the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, yeah. there's nothing to see here, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marco, I just want to ask. Uh, I'll ask you the same question. We'll, we'll go back and forth between these things, but this, that, that footage thing. Oh man. That is, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I really hope that we can all experience that someday, but I, I'm interested in how you got interested in the UFO topic in the um, beginning. Yeah. So how did all that happen with you? Uh, happened like when I was a child. Yeah. Um, like this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, so the 1996, the Virginia case was what, Was it the Virginia case that got yes. you interested in the whole time? Yeah. Actually, I watched it and I was like, wow, what? You know, I really want to know more about it. So, okay. So this is, I had 11 years old. So when I had 14 years old, like three years later, I was with my friends. We went to play a, a soccer game and we, we saw like my friends saw like an object, like a triangle. And he was, they were doing, he was doing like this. And, uh, and I remember I said, what is this? And no noise. And, uh, they, this triangle just disappeared like very fast. You know, and then that's why I got really interested and I went to the, to the magazine places and I bought the UFO magazine. So mm -hmm. I started to read about it and I said, wow, something's going on, you know, and yeah. I went to, and then I knew about the UFO Congress around Brazil and I used to, uh, I started to go, you know, to the UFO Congress. So, and then I felt really hard in my heart to investigate the case just because I want to know. And, but I, I don't believe too much. Like, you know, um, it's crazy. I want to go investigate. You want to know. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to know. Oh, mm -hmm. You got the blood. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you really looked into that and you were available to, to work with because can you imagine that you would have to learn how to speak por Portuguese? Most of the contact wouldn't exist without this guy. Yeah. 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 And, and his fellow researchers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I worked my butt off too, but not like these guys. Yeah. These guys really got their boots on the ground and went after it. And when I was there, I was doing the same thing, but I wasn't, he was going there all the time. Yeah. For years. Wow. Years. Yeah. And then I had my first experience, like working with the subject with James, 
And then after that, uh, I met a guy, uh, Fred, and he did a show for his channel in Brazil. Like, it's a series that we call The Corona Cruz Ovnis, which is a take a right with UFOs, to just to show some cases that are happening in Brazil. So we should, like, 13 episodes. And then, because, you know, James, I think he, like, <laughs> he gave me the opportunity to learn a little bit about the so I used to love to do, uh, I'm since, uh, uh, since 2011. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I love to do the same here. Just, you know. Yeah. Now he's been intimately involved with every aspect of from start to finish. And he's actually coming to LA with me to see the sound design work done, to see the trailer being made. We got the guy that does the sound design with, uh, James Cameron. He's doing oh. sound design for oh. Moment of Contact. Wow. Top notch people, man. Just yeah. as professional as it gets. And it's so nice to see that level of, of, of treatment to a topic of UFOs, right? Cause there's always like a, mm -hmm. a, an accepted level of production values with UFOs that I think is, you know, really needs to be stepped up. And I remember talking to you and saying that my crew, when we first met, my two favorite movies are ones that you did. And you said, well, I wish I did this and I wish I did this. Oh, yeah. But uh, you, you, you did. You stepped it up for the phenomenon. I did. And you yeah. stepped it up for this one. Yes. Yes. So you got yeah. a great guy that I've been working with, this guy, David West, who's like one of the best photographers alive. Wow. He's so into what he does too. He's mm -hmm. so good at shooting B-roll, the beautiful B-roll that he goes after. He gets, he, he really captures an atmosphere. You know, like you would think of shots. We're interviewing someone. He's shooting the window, outside the windows. During the interview, he's got four or five cameras rolling. He's got time lapses over the building. Yeah. Like, the guy's just a genius. Wow. You know, and he really cares about what he does. Mm -hmm. Like, he puts so much thought and cares. As much as I care about getting to the UFOs and witnesses, he cares the same about photography. The guys do the sound. The guys that are composing music. These are professionals that really care. And now, it's really exciting. Marco's got to see, like, you're going to see from start to finish, from shooting to completion, all the way through. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even done that. Well, this is the first time I've done that with Boris. And Boris and I have done lots of it. But he always comes late into the show. Now, Boris, from start to finish. And you, as well. Yeah. Oh, no. Thank you for so much. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I was just told there's echo. And I'm uh, going to try to fix it as, as we go along. And I apologize if that's happening. We did a sound check in the beginning. I'm not sure uh, what. Well, we went live like, let's see, 6 p.m. And excuse me if the audience have been working my tailbone off all day. Um, we went live at 6 p.m. and you showed up at 5.58. So that's probably why we got an echo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just removed we the live in two minutes. <laughs> I just removed the other camera. So um, I'm thinking. Was that one's live still? This one is alive still. This so one's not live. the other one. Yeah. So I just removed the other camera. <laughs> so um, uh, hopefully, okay. Everyone's saying it's way better. I'm really sorry, everyone. Um, I'm really sorry, everyone. It it worked fine in the beginning, so it should be fine from now on without that camera. Can't believe it. Ah. Yeah. These things but, happen. We did Peter Coyote at this very table. Did you really? Just a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Oh, Peter yeah. was remote, but yeah. we had an echo too. 
Oh, we finally figured out what it was after we did everything. I mean, we made we made it work, but we had a weird echo. Yeah, there. we've got one half hour left. So we had we an hour, hour and a half. Hour. Yeah, oh. hour and a half of echoes. I apologize, everyone. Well, and, I, I, yeah. I wouldn't mind if it's okay with you, Martin, um, without revealing too much. I'd like to know what it was like for you to see Moment of Contact, even though it's it's fairly rough. Um well, condition. I watched it with my friend Don in the other room. What did you know about What did you know about the case prior? I I heard about the case. I would say I looked into it probably six or seven years ago, and I just remember either I read something about it, and I remember mm. the creature. For some reason, I thought a creature was in a tree. I mm. don't remember where I got mixed up, but but I just remembered that there were girls that saw the creature and all this, and I thought, wow, what a weird case that is. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, after watching the movie, there's no doubt in my mind that something really happened there. And I do. And it's funny. I was, I said this to you. You may think I was joking, but I, I felt sorry for the creature because mm-hmm. it seemed very frail and very afraid. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of what was scared. It was scared. Like I'm stuck vulnerable. here. I'm stuck here. Yep. You know, I'm not going home. What's going to happen to me? I mean, you, of course, I'm thinking in human terms, but who knows mm. what it was thinking. But the thing was, according to the girls, acting like it was afraid. And um, but I, after listening to all the all the witnesses, um, I have no doubt. I don't have any doubt that that did happen. Mm-hmm. You know how much uh, exactly happened, if, but I mean everything follows along. That's the reason I asked you. What are the chances that these people talked? Because mm-hmm. their stories all line up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And you know, one one uh, aspect that I learned kind of after the after the well, uh, it's really funny actually because when I was in uh, Africa when I was investigating the Rua case for the phenomenon, um, Dr. John Mack, right, sort of following the trail, Dr. John Mack. And all that archive footage and, you know, your audience knows that story. Well, Dr. John Mack was in Virginia. And was it Ubirajara that shot, shot back? Yeah. Is that right? Ubirajara, yeah. Wow. So, 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 so John Mack is interviewing the girls. Weeks after it happened. Not long. Wow. It's fresh. Wow. And, and, and there was something that was revealed there. And I, it kind of put the pieces together. I just didn't have the exact the level of detail that was revealed with Dr. John Mack interview with the girls. And that is this. It was Liliani, I think was leading the way. She was 16. Correct yes. me if I'm wrong here. Mm-hmm. It was Liliani, her sister, Kat, uh, sorry, her sister, Valkyria. And then I believe Katya. Yeah. Uh, no, walking together. No, yes. They were walking together. When they had the encounter with this being, Liliani, According to the interview that I just saw with Dr. John Mack, Liliani grabs the hand of her younger sister and yanks her out of there, and they're running away from this thing, freaked out. Well, Katya, they realize, stayed back and is frozen in her tracks. Yeah. And just staring at the eyes of this creature from like 10 feet away. Yeah. Okay, in broad daylight. They, Liliani is like, oh, my God, I got to go get Katya. Liliani runs back and grabs Katya by the arm and yanks her out of there. 
like breaks that trance. Yeah. They had some bags. In the they had some bags. And they left in the place. They left the bags. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so this was revealed. So Dr. John Mack is going, did you have any communication? Did you feel anything when you made eye contact with this creature? And apparently it was exactly that. It's like, get me out of here. I'm scared really? for my, you know, my well-being. Please help me. Wow. Help me get out of here, this place yeah. where I'm in. And he felt like he was being, I mean, like you, you interpret it like he felt like he was hiding from people that wanted to do him harm. Yeah. Crazy. Which did. Yeah. And I, and, 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 you know, Katya had revealed a little of that in the interview with her. She'd, you know, that she did have this communication with the creature, but that level of detail where she was frozen in her tracks, the two other girls ran away and realized that they'd left her behind. Liliani runs back, grabs Katya by the arm and yanks her out of there. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And you know, the, uh, Salma Siddick from the Ariel's. Know her well. Yes. yes. I mean, what she said to me is that one of the hardest things she ever did in her life was to break the eye, eye contact with the being she was next to. Yeah. She said she had to go find her siblings, see if they were okay. And she said, you know, four feet away from this thing. <laughs> the hardest thing she could ever do is turn away. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because my dog. I hear the dog. Yeah. Do you want to just go kick him in the face? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Again? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. How could you treat a dog like that? <laughs> Jesus. He's just a Thank little you. guy. He's still, he's defensive. He's a little, little alien. Dog. Come on. You, you could bring him in here. Communicate telepathically with him. Tell him to, there we go. Sorry, guys. Here's a dog. Here's a little feet. Maybe yeah. you can let him outside. Maybe he might need to do his business. Yeah. Yeah. Little Thank ha- you. Little housekeeping here behind the scenes. I yeah. know. Sorry, guys. Sorry for the interruption here. No. But no, these things great. happen. Yeah. I know. We can really you, want to see. Can you, but... you pick the dog up? Really? Yeah. Dude, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. This Take dog is adorable. Oh. Here he is. You have to get him in the camera. Oh, you. <laughs> so cute. Okay. He probably has to go to the bathroom, though. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love, actually, like when things like this happen. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, sorry so, about so, that. So, James, um, I remember, I thought I heard, I don't know if you said it yourself, but I think someone else speculated that you had tons and tons of footage from when you were doing the, the phenomenon mm. and that you might do something with that footage, more with that footage. Is that... Is, are you just moving forward and doing other things or is that still a possibility or was it ever a possibility? Um, I think I was talking with someone about this the other day that at some point, excuse me, I need to make that footage available, whether I share it with someone like David Marler, excuse me, um, or have a library that could be accessible to the world, basically. I'm, I think I'm sitting on the biggest archive of material anybody has. I mean, I, mm. must, I must be. I mean, if you think of all the content video, I'm shooting, video archives, video archives, and, yeah. and and a lot of really good stuff. And a lot of the stuff I have is nobody else has because the people are dead. Yeah, that I got so. Um, to answer your question, I'm going to make it available to everybody. I just don't know exactly how I'm going to go about doing that. And also, I'm going to continue shooting new material. I feel like. I have to put the pressure on more than ever before because we're at that sort of tipping point yeah. right now. Feels like it. Yeah. And yeah. then I don't want to let up. I don't want to let up. I, I've got a narrow window 
um, that I can ride the coattails of the success of the phenomenon, not just financially, but exposure wise and having, um, yes, having access to people. And, yeah. uh, and so I want to, uh, that's why I'm in this barn is that I can, I can produce documentaries at a, at a, at a, at a lightning speed, uh, self-contained, not impact the family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and just crank some, some, some films out in the coming years and really put the pressure on the government. And, and, and uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to do. What are some of the other cases like on your radar, so to speak? You know, you mentioned the one Mar- Marco talked about in the Amazon. Colaris, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's certainly on the radar right now, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think I'd like to go to Washington DC for a while. And start answering and ask some questions. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think yeah. that's probably going to be my next move and I'll do that soon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not, you're in proximity. You're, I am. I could closer. drive, I could drive there in yeah. eight hours. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. And set up camp there for a while. Yeah. But I'll, I'll make some arrangements ahead of time for it, but that's probably my next move Interesting. because, uh, I uncovered certain things we did. We uncovered certain things in moment of contact that lead us back to the United States mm. evidence wise. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to, and as well as other evidence stuff that I know exists. Um, All right. Let's speaking on, on this particular topic. Do you think that our government or segmented part of our government is containing this and one, this type of information they've been gathering in one specific area? And if so, how's it generational? In other words, we're going way back. Um, do you think that's a possibility or do you think it's in the private sector pushed into the private sector somehow? Well, I mean, it would be free from oversight if it wasn't right. the private sector. Yeah. So that would make sense. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I but I mean, you I think, you think of like the big sir, the missile, you know, yeah. that, that thing, whenever that happened yeah. way back then mm-hmm. and all these things. And, and, uh, um, you talked to Borden Cooper's film. Mm-hmm. You think of all these things that have in the bricks off of the data bricks off of the Princeton. Yeah. Oh my God. All this stuff is going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, would you speculate again? I'm asking for speculation that it's going to the same place or do you think that it's divvied up or something? I just don't know. Yeah. I wish I did know. Yeah. But I, I did, you know, 2009. When I was doing, uh, 2008, 2009, I was doing, I know what I saw. Yep. And I was broke to the <laughs> point where you're so, you, you know, you ever been so broke, you can't barely afford to pay attention. <laughs> I was like right there. Right. <laughs> and my, my, uh, my supporters that, you know, cause you get financial support. Some people have a lot of money. Some people have little money. They, you know, they support you and then it just drags on and they're like, okay, yeah, we're done here. I'm not going to. Keep, you keep saying, you know, and, uh, and I was at that point with the, I know what I saw. And so I was doing, uh, some production work on the side in San Diego. And I worked with this woman wanted to hire me to do a documentation of her husband's life. He was about, I think he was turning 90, 80 or 90. And, um, so I agreed to do it. And I got all of his lifespan of stuff from the twenties all the way, you know, and, uh, she says, that was very interesting. So James, what do you do when you're not working on, you know? And I was like, Oh boy, here we go. 
So I told her, she goes, Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. You know, can I share something with you? I love that when that and happens. And I said, yeah, her name will come to me in a minute. Secret. It'll come to me. But in any case, she said, when I was in college, back at, I think she said it was the fifties, but it could have been the sixties. She said, my, uh, there was a, there was a, a, a guy, either it was across the dorm from her, but it was, uh, General Nathan Twining's son. Oh, wow. That's what she told me. Okay. Yeah. She said that he came and were having drinks with her and her roommate one night in their dorm room. Uh huh. She knew the guy was still alive. She tried, she tried to track him down for me. But anyway, she came over and he said to her and her roommate that he was taking his dad took him on a tour underground of the Pentagon and that they had a room filled with photographic evidence of UFOs. Mm. And he told her this back in the late fifties or the early sixties and that he had personally seen it through his father. Wow. She's like, I've been holding on to that story for 50 years. Wow. Nathan, Nathan Twining memo. Nathan Twining's son. Yeah. I'm 99.9% sure it was Nathan Twining's son. Yeah, because I remember, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, he would definitely be in a position to know. But anyway, yeah, so she's, he, I mean, why would he, you know, yeah. having a few drinks, trying to impress the girls, but, and they, they weren't interested in UFOs. They yeah. didn't even ask him about it. Why would he bring he up volunteered that information that there was a, there was a repository, but underground. He said underground to her. Yeah. That's what she told me. It was underground and hidden down below in the Pentagon. And it was filled with evidence of UFOs. So yeah, you, I didn't say anything about bodies or that. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> didn't want to push the, it. No, well, yeah. no, she didn't tell me that part. Yeah. She said photographic and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so if this, if that would be the case, wouldn't you think that could be investigated by the, the task force, task force they're putting together? You know, I mean, one of the things I heard about that is they didn't want to look into anything before 2004 or something like that because of the data not being specifically, you know, uh, high end. What was the name of that guy that wrote a book recently? His name, I went on Larry King live. No, I went on Larry King now with him and he was based in Washington DC. And in his book, he talks about his book was not about UFOs. Oh, Brandon Chase. Yes. Brandon Chase. Brandon Chase. That was kind of a bizarre story, whether it was true yeah. or not. I think it was true. I talked yeah. to him. I went on Larry King now with him. You can look at it. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. And I talked to him about it. He said, I wasn't, but that was in the Pentagon as well. And he opened up a box and he found. He said he found evidence on Roswell. And I said, okay, well, what did you see? He goes, 100% confirmation that it happened. And he wrote it in his book. He just mentioned it in his book. Of course, nobody wanted to know about anything else other than that aspect of what he mentioned in his book. So you talked to him personally. Oh, yeah. You met him and talked to him personally. I did not meet him in person. I talked to him on the phone. Oh, I see. And I wanted, and I said, hey, let's get together for a beer in, in, in DC. Mm -hmm. You know, after we did the show together. He goes, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So like, I don't know, eight months later, I was in DC. Wouldn't call me back. Mm. So let's get, let's get together for that beer we talked about. I want to know what he saw. But I mean, I, I thought so it was I, kind of, don't you think it's kind of rare that a box would be marked Roswell? I don't know instead if it was of marked, case I don't know if it was marked Roswell. Oh, I, I see. Know. All right. He just said he was digging through some stuff and he came upon a box that had photographic <laughs> evidence. I said, well, what did you Sorry. see? He goes, he goes, definitive evidence that it happens, which basically is what he said. Yeah. And, 
The guy didn't seem like he was lying. Yeah. He really didn't. Yeah. He wasn't out there selling that. It was just one little footnote in his book. I don't know, man. But you would think that that would be part of an investigation if they actually have this information. Or do you think that they're not making it accessible to anyone? Well, clearly they're not making it accessible to anyone. I mean, you know, even in talked, the government is what I mean. Well, we ta- well, yeah, they do. I mean, you know, we talked about, uh, they, the Clinton administration's efforts to go after Roswell. Yep. And that they did not like the answers they were getting. Hmm. They were not happy with the answers they were getting. They were getting the runaround. Stephen Schiff talked about that. You know, the Clinton administration people talked about it. Jimmy Carter talked about that. Gerald Ford kind of talked about that. Hmm. You know? When I talked to Christopher, uh, Chris Mellon about this, he said that, um, that if a, if a president, he said to me that if a president would ask, I want to know about aliens or whatever, that they would give him all the information that they had. Hmm. That's what he, he claimed, you know, when I talked to him in 2016. Well, it's funny actually, because one of the things that, that Mr. Mellon and I, uh, came to the realization of during the making of the phenomenon when I met with him, is that I was interviewing in the 90s uh, Gordon Cooper about that landing case in Edwards Air Force Base circa 1957, right? And that film footage that was handed over well, paralleling that time, my interviews with Cooper, Cooper went to the White House, and I guess shared that with the, with the president, shared that with his people. And so Christopher Mellon was tasked with going after that footage, that landing footage. Really? Yeah, he talks wow. about it a little bit in the phenomenon. Yeah. He went after it. And they said, oh, yeah, we just, the Air Force plane said, oh, yeah, we destroyed all that evidence. We had to make space for news. So it was like, oh, yeah. please. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's interesting that Christopher Mellon was going after that specific footage. Yeah. Uh, in, in, when he was in, in, you know, in somewhat of an official capacity, I'd imagine, because he was, he was working. Was yeah. Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence at the time. I guess it was like the late nineties or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all interesting. We have about four minutes left. And so I asked at one point, I said, and you said you sort of have an idea what's going on with your with this film, mm-hmm. uh, a moment of contact. Yes. Um, We're going to L.A. next week. Yeah. Finalizing the sound mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is, is, is going to be done at that same time. And then we turn the film in and it's ready to be broadcast. But it rolls out. So we'll probably deliver the film complete at the, at the end of May. Really? That soon? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, in a few weeks. Yeah. The film's done. I mean, yeah. you know, we've got like, spelling corrections and things of that sort of commas and yeah. punctuation and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that we're, I've got a couple of copy editors working on it as we speak because I'm terrible at that. So is Boris. Um, and, and then uh, we turn it in probably end of May, early June, and then uh, 1091. We'll set the release date. The trailer's being made as we speak. Okay. Luda Jones yeah. in Hollywood. We're going to go see that too. Uh, those announcements will be made probably early to mid June. Great. And, and I that'll be, uh, yeah. and then the trailer will be released at that time. Mm-hmm. And then the film will come out. Usually it takes two to three months prep to roll it out. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm definitely going to let people know on this show. So, and I'll have that up on the web, website and everything. Yeah, else. you know, we can, we can do a quick follow up yeah. thing when it's ready. Yeah. You know, just to update your, your audience. Yeah. That sounds good. But as, as Lou Elizondo said, 
brace yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my phone? I want to play that. Can I play that real quick? Do we have enough time? You got to hear this. Oh, yeah. We got to hear this. This is great. Yeah. No, this is Lou Elizondo responding to the film. And you can Somebody. hold it right up here to the mic or yep, toward I'll the mic. I'll do that. I'll do yeah. that. I'll do yeah. that. Let me turn this on. How long, Marco, how long have you been here in the United States? Um, for, for this time, seems October. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. It's been six yeah. months. Yeah. So what do you think of winter? <laughs> oh, it's very cold here. <laughs> very oh cold. my God. Yeah. I bet you weren't ready for that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, he handled it like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. Here we go. Yeah. Well, this is Lou Elizondo commenting on a podcast just a couple of days last week or something. Oh. Well, we think it's, uh, yeah, it is. It's on your speakers. Here we go. About a judge. He's talking about people that are just in the middle of the road and, uh, right he's six months comes out with his next movie. I mean, brace yourself. It's, really? it's, it's, it's going to shake you. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's going to shake you. It, he's, 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 he's got a, he's done a tremendous job with Tina James Fox's, uh, he did the, uh, recently the phenomenon. Well, he's got a, 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 another one coming out. Uh, he spent a lot of time in, in a certain country, uh, collecting data, very compelling data, eyewitness testimony, military intelligence, whatnot. Uh, excellent. You know, it, one second, wait, wait till that right. comes out. Anyway. Excellent. That's great. We are totally out of time. Oh, Thank okay. you so much. Thanks for having me Thank on, you Martin. both. I really appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you guys. Thank All right. You so much. And I got to switch over here since I only have one camera. I don't know how it's going to happen. But thank you, everyone. And we'll be back next week with Preston Dennett. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky.